Hey, I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and lifestyle fulfillment coach, which means I've dedicated my entire life to helping anyone who feels like they're not making the most of their potential to level up and live the extraordinary life of their dreams. You deserve to be the king or queen of your own kingdom, and I'll be alongside to help you be the best version that you can be. I'm psyched that you're here, so let's get to it. What's going on, you guys? It's Johnny King here on another episode of The Johnny King Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have an amazing guest. I'm so privileged to have Ryan Mitchell here with The Order of Man. Ryan, thank you for being here, brother. Appreciate you. Yeah, looking forward to it, man. I've been, uh, I know we've been talking about uh, this yeah, for what, a couple of weeks or so and looking yeah. forward to having this conversation. Yeah. Oh, man. You're, you, all your stuff between the things I see online as well as um, it's just, again, the, the way you show up in the world is so refreshing. Um, I kind of wish it weren't, unfortunately, but it is because yeah, I feel you, like... you would hope that some of the things I talk about were like not something of, of, of notoriety, right? Yeah, of note yeah. that it was just common practice, but it's, right. and it is, but it seems to me that, it, that a lot of what we address and what we deal with are dying virtues and a dying way of living our lives, which is unfortunate because right. I think right. it's the stem and the root of a lot of the problems we see in society. Right, right. Tell some of those uh, listeners that may not have been introduced to any of your work, just give a quick synopsis of Order of Man, Iron Council, everything that you're up to and what, what kind of maybe even the catalyst pushed you into this line of work and this conversation. Yeah, I started Order of Man a, a little over five years ago. I did it for selfish reasons. I didn't have any like noble pursuits necessarily. I, I just wanted to have great conversations with successful men. <laughs> so I'm like, well, maybe I'll start a podcast. I had a podcast at the time. It was a uh, financial podcast dedicated to helping medical professionals with their investments and things mm. like that. And mm. I, I like podcasting. I love talking and having conversations with people, but I just, I just didn't want to have that same old conversation that I'd been having for a decade at that point. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, switched gears and, uh, started the order of man podcast and had some great initial guests and got a lot of traction up front and, uh, really noticed very quickly that we were onto something that was very advantageous and beneficial for men in society. And, and I, I think the biggest advantage that we had initially is that I wasn't trying to game anything. I wasn't trying to make anything up. I, I didn't place myself on some pedestal. I didn't belong. I just, I said, look, here's my struggles. Here's what I'm dealing with. I'm a dad. I'm impatient at times. I'm a husband. Um, you know, I'm not, not always as engaged as I'd like to be. I'm a business owner. I'm not as successful as I want to be, yeah. but that's the direction I'm going. Who wants to come with me in the meantime, we'll interview some powerful men and see if they can impart some of their wisdom uh, and I've been doing that, like I said, for over five years now. And the growth that we've experienced has just been phenomenal, which is not a testament to anything I'm doing. It's a testament to the guys that have joined me on the podcast and the conversations we're having totally. and the resources we've been able to provide. That's it. Totally. Totally. Curious to though, see, I mean, it's, it's, I don't see how it couldn't be possible, but that by just rubbing elbows with amazing guys, how have you seen your own, just you as a human being, and as a man evolved over those last five years. Yeah. I mean, I'm not one to like, well, let me, let me back up. The reason <laughs> I started this initially was to bridge the gap between what we as men know and what we actually do. Yeah. Because the things I share, it's not new information. Mm -hmm. You know, the guys that I have on and we've had guys, incredible guys. We've had like Jocko and David Goggins and Andy Frasilla and, uh, John Eldridge and Dakota Meyer, the, the lineup of men that have been on our podcast is phenomenal. Mm. 
but with all due respect to those guys, nothing they're sharing is new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's, it's all stuff we've heard before mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's nothing I've ever shared on my podcast that a guy hasn't heard before. Now I, I might share it in a way that resonates deeply with them, or maybe they're in the position to hear it. And so it's more impactful, totally. but ultimately what I wanted to create was something that bridged the gap between what we know and what we actually do. Right. Cause if what we knew actually is the only thing that mattered, we'd all have six pack abs and be independently wealthy and all of our wildest dreams would be coming true because mm-hmm. everybody knows what to do. Mm-hmm. So there's obviously a disparity, a bridge, a gap between what information we have and the wisdom that we have. And the wisdom is the application of knowledge. Right. So for me, uh, what I've learned is just, it's not enough to hear these guys' words or to read the books that are on the shelf behind me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I used to take pride in how many books I read a year. That's stupid. Mm. Like it doesn't matter how many books I read per year. It matters what information I'm actually applying. Right. So for me, when you ask the question, how has my life changed action? Action, just transferring that information into, okay, well, what's the one or two things that this guy told me that resonates with me that I feel like I can implement on a daily basis? Like, I'm not going to do it once, implement it every single day that I know will drastically and radically improve my life. Mm -hmm. And I've been able to extract things that have worked. I've tried things that frankly haven't worked for me. Uh, And and I take the good and I leave the bad. And, you know, at the end of the day, I... As far as results, I'm, I'm more committed and dedicated in my marriage. I'm deeply connected with my children. My, my health is in a better position than it's ever been in my entire life. You know, even at 39 years old, I'm in better shape than I was 20 years ago when I was in high school. Yeah. Um, the business is growing. The bank accounts are growing. The experiences are growing. My satisfaction and fulfillment is growing all because I'm willing to apply the information that other men said, just do this. And you, you could argue whether it's just being dumb enough to follow it or smart enough to follow it, but I got my ego out of the way and I said, that guy knows what he's doing. He's doing X, Y, and Z. So I guess I'll do X, Y, and Z and surprise, surprise, it's produced the results that I wanted. That's awesome. It's really cool. I mean, I remember you uh, writing a post somewhat recently where you talked about like the only two things that really make a man a man, if you will, or I think you said character and competence or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's almost like a, well, which, which comes first in hearing you say this, almost like, you know what, you just, if you hear something that you think might work, you take action and maybe through that action, do you actually start to develop the character within you? Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you plug in, you know? So, so for example, if you're, if you're a guy listening to this and you think, okay, well, you know, like I don't need all that intellectual stuff. I just want to lose 20 pounds. Yeah. Well, losing 20 pounds will help you with all that intellectual stuff. Totally. Right. Cause you'll have the capacity, you'll have the focus, you'll have the drive, you'll have the energy to be able to apply towards other facets of your life that will help you become more knowledgeable, become, put that stuff into practice. So when I talk about, uh, competence and, and, uh, character, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like plug into one of them, you know, yeah. if, and I'll take the fitness realm. Cause that's the easiest it's for men. That's the easiest thing you could do. Right. Like if you want to improve your life, just go to the gym every day. Oh, but Ryan, I don't know what to do. Just go to the gym and lift things and then yep. put them down and then lift them again. Like that's yep. it. Now you'll learn all the nuances. Like you'll learn, okay, the proper mechanics and 
the proper technique and the form. You'll learn all that and you should learn all that. I'm not saying that you should just indefinitely go to the gym and just lift heavy things because you'll end up hurting yourself. But you'll learn that stuff. Just go to the gym. And here's why I say that. Because when you go to the gym, the set of, the, the set of characteristics and virtues that you'll develop by going into the gym like grit and fortitude and resilience and sacrifice and dedication are the exact same set of skills that will help you become a better father or a better husband or a better fill in the blank with whatever it is you're after. Now, the beauty of going to the gym is you can notice instantaneous results. Instantaneous. I guarantee every guy listening to this right now could go to the gym this week, seven days a week, go to the gym, work out, train for an hour. Even if you don't know what the hell you're doing, just train for an hour. And I guarantee without fail that you will lose weight and or see more muscle development and when you notice those physical results that will give you the motivation and inspiration to continue to do it if on the other hand i said well really we just want to improve we want to help you improve your marriage and so here's five things you can do dude you spent two decades screwing your marriage up that's not going to be fixed in a week it's going to take years frankly Right. So start in the gym and then you can start transferring those lessons and those skill sets over. So that's the, that's the, uh, competence component. Mm-hmm. The character component is just being a man of your word, just mm-hmm. being an integrity, doing what you'll say you'll do, honoring your commitments, you know, living into those virtues that you espouse, bridging the gap between, like I said earlier, what you know and what you're actually doing. That's integrity. That's character. That stuff comes through and, and it's reciprocal. They feed off of each other, right? right. So your right. competence will help you develop more, more character and your character will help you develop more confidence. They, mm-hmm. they work harmoniously. It's yeah. not like a, uh, like a false dichotomy. And this is what I see a lot. Like people say all the times, Ryan, what's the number one thing that I can do to fill in the blank? I'm like, dude, it's not one thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I I guess I could say maybe plan your day would be a good thing to do. But if that's all you did, but then you never executed, then planning would be a waste of time. Right. So it's never one thing. And that's what we get in the habit of doing this false dichotomy. What's this like men's health? You'll see this on men's health magazine. Yeah. Yeah. The three things you need to do to blast your abs and have this six pack of your dreams. It's like, cool. But if you eat like shit, then nobody's going to see your abs. You just. Right. You just built. So you can't just do one thing. You have to be the total package. You have to do it all. And it comes in waves and it comes in incremental steps, but no false dichotomies here. It's like, is being a good father enough? No, it's not. Is being engaged, loving to your children and engaged with your children enough? No, you actually have to have income to be able to provide for them and put a roof over their head. Cause if right. you're like, if, if you encourage them and support them, but you don't have any money to put them in football, or to take that vacation so you guys can spend time together, then like, of course that's limiting your ability to be a good father. Right. So you have to be the full well-rounded package. And that's what we talk a lot about. Yeah. I, I remember uh, hearing you on a previous podcast talking about, um, and not even to go into, cause I, I kind of don't even like the term, but toxic masculinity, you were saying it's more actually not so much toxic masculinity as it is like uh, incomplete <laughs> uh, growth of a, of a man. Immaturity. Immaturity. immaturity yeah and that sort of thing um that's more of what's it's not a, a one two three step plan as it is just like you said being sounds like what you're saying and correct me if i'm wrong you being in you know in integrity with your word and thus over that time you develop into greater levels of wholeness as a man 
Well, so here's when it, when we talk about goal planning, a lot of guys will say, well, you know, I want six pack abs or I want to make a hundred thousand or 500,000 a year or seven mm-hmm. figures or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to go on this vacation. I want to drive this car. I want to own this house. And so they have these goals. Yep. Those are great. Like n- not one of those that I mentioned is, is wrong or inappropriate. Like you should right. want all of that stuff. Right. But that's where goal planning ends. It's like, okay, well, like, that's what I want. So I'm just going to work towards that. Well, no, bro. Like, tell me exactly how you're going to do it. I don't know. I'm just going to, like, will it to existence. No, you're not. Because yeah. if that were the case, you'd already have it. Right. So, like, tell me your plan. Well, I don't know. I don't really have a plan. Then be prepared for failure. Like, you're exactly. not going to have that thing that you want. Exactly. So what we teach our, the, the men who, who, who band with us and join with us and work with us is we teach them, okay, well, start with that. Like Stephen Covey, start with the end in mind. Yeah. Start with the end in mind. Not like finish with the end, like start. So the starting point is what I want. Okay, I want the six-pack abs. I want to be able to lift this much weight. I want to go on this vacation. I want to have this kind of marriage or I want to be this kind of father. Good. Noble. Now let's work backwards. Let's reverse engineer the process. And what do you need to do on a daily basis in order to accomplish what it is you're after? And this is what helps you drive on in the face of lack of motivation or inspiration. Like when I go to the gym and I do every single day, seven days a week, sometimes I'm training twice a day. And maybe it's a combination of weightlifting or jujitsu, but it's sometimes twice a day. Mm-hmm. I don't always feel like going. I went to the gym this morning to train jujitsu. I didn't feel like going this morning. I felt like shit. My body was sore. I got up early at 530. I'm like, dude, I don't want to go today. But I went because I got my eye on the prize. Like I know exactly what I want. And I know that sometimes the mundane, the monotonous, the boring work is what's going to lead me to the results. So here's the beauty of this. Now I can just do the work and I can just kind of in a way almost throw up my hands and say, look, I'm just going to let this take me where it takes me because I know it will produce the results. Mm-hmm. I know without fail and, and I can be patient. I've got, I've got a friend, Andy Frasilla. A lot of guys are familiar with Andy Frasilla. He calls it aggressive patience. Mm-hmm. Patience isn't about sitting back and doing nothing and hoping things come, come to fruition. It's like, I'm going to do this work and I'm going to be patient with the results, knowing that if I am ruthlessly committed to doing this work, it is going to produce the results that it has for millions of men before me. And there's, there's a sense of like ease in that for me. It's like, I don't have to worry about my trajectory or where I'm going. Like I know if I go to the gym every day, if I have a conversation with my wife every day, if I eat the right food, if I do the right things with my children, if I grow the business, if I send this email, all of that plays into the larger, the grander scheme of what it is I'm trying to accomplish. But I'm very systematic about that. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just happenstance. And if, and I look back too, and I think, okay, well, here's my activity. And then I look, is this producing the desired result? No, it's not. Okay. I got to pivot. I got to adjust the tactics a little bit. I've got to change them up. Um, I've got to be more committed or more dedicated. I need to ramp it up. So I'm looking at that, seeing what trajectory it's putting me on and then making my decisions based off that. What do you feel like is the disconnect between, because you have a, a great way of just distilling things down to being very clear and simple. Where's the disconnect between guys that are just getting in their way day after day after day? It's the natural man is what I've dubbed him. Mm. It's, I mean, not literally, like, obviously there's not literally two of us, but like figuratively there's like two versions of ourselves. 
Mm-hmm. There's probably an infinite number of versions of ourselves, but let's right. just say two for now. Right. There's the weak, pathetic, soft version of yourself. Maybe that's you yeah. actually right now. Maybe you're living to that individual. Yeah. And then there's the version of yourself who has realized his potential. Mm-hmm. And potential is a moving target. We talk about that in a minute. Because you can reach your potential every day. Right. Right. And then you reset and then you have a new level of potential that you can reach tomorrow. Yep. Like if I, if I go in and I deadlift 400 pounds today, I, I reached my potential for today maybe, but tomorrow I should be able, and maybe by tomorrow, I mean in 30 days, if I keep doing the work, I should be able to lift 425 pounds. Right. 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 right? Yep. So new yep. potential It's a moving target. Um, so the disconnect is that we fall prey to the natural man, the weaker, more pathetic, softer version. And this guy lies, he cheats, he steals, he wants the results without the effort. He's weak, he's cowardly, he's pathetic. And, and I'm not pointing fingers. Like I, I have the potential of being that guy too. Or I have the potential of reaching my objectives and my goals and my accomplishments and my dreams and doing the work that's gonna get me to that point. And every time I choose whether to jump on this podcast with you and honor my commitment, or shirk the responsibility or sleep in or yell at my children or any number of things that I could do on a daily basis. I'm making a vote as to which man I want to be. Do I want to be this pathetic piece of shit or do I want to be this superior man, not superior to other individuals, just superior to this natural version, natural man. Mm -hmm. And so the disconnect is that it's always easier. This is, this is the law of physics, the path of least resistance Right. And for even to go even further that with than that with a physics lesson, an object in, in rest will stay in rest unless the greater equal force is acted upon it, mm-hmm. which means that sometimes and this sucks. Sometimes it takes us hitting rock bottom. Yeah. That's that greater force acting upon us to say, holy crap, I got to wake up and do something different with my life. I wish it didn't have to be that case, but this is a, a, a principle. Like the pain of where you currently are has to be greater than the pain of stepping into the uncertainty and the unknown and the work required to get you out of the version of yourself you're currently in. Right. Because if it's not greater, then you'll just stay there. And that's the disconnect. It's easier and you will inevitably fall. It's like a, um, like if you've ever driven that, like, where did you grow up? In St. Louis. In St. Louis. Okay. So I grew up in a small Southern Utah town. I've always lived up until after I was about 12, 13 years old, small rural farming communities. And you get in like a rut. Okay. You're driving your truck in the rut, like the mud slides you into the rut. And it's really difficult to get out of the rut. In fact, the rut actually acts like a track. It grabs your tires and it, you almost don't need to steer. Like you'd almost take your hands off the wheel and it'll go wherever it needs to go. Totally. And in order to get out of the rut, sometimes you kind of got to crank on the wheel a little bit and that's painful and that's difficult, but you got to crank on the wheel and give it some gas. And when you do, you can pop yourself up out of that rut. If you're not careful, you'll slide back into it. Mm -hmm. So you got to pop yourself up out of that rut. Now, once you get the momentum and you got to get the momentum daily activity, you get the momentum. Now you can stay out of that rut, but it takes a lot of exertion at first. You can use the same principle when it comes to, um, a plane flying like the, the time that it's most inefficient is in takeoff and a plane's speeding up. It's got the friction of the ground. 
it's, it's trying to take off. It's got the wind resistance and it's got the forces that are acting upon it. It's heavy because it's got the most fuel that it'll have in the entire trip. But once it gets up to cruising altitude, right, less friction, less turbulence, lower air pressure, it's, it doesn't weigh as much because some of the fuel has been burned. So once you're up there, you're good. But you got to pop yourself up out of there, and that's the most difficult time. But you get past that, and I'm not saying it's always easy because you got to maintain that, that yep. level, right? There's things yep. you need to do to stay up there, yep. but it's not as hard as taking off. I hope yep. that analogy makes sense. Oh, it makes total sense. And I, and I think, too, uh, you know, you're mentioning kind of leverage in there sometimes, too. It, just having the right type of brotherhood and guys around you um, to, oh, to help raise you up and keep that standard high or keep uh, – holding you, challenging you to another level. Do you, do you have that? I imagine you have that in your community oh, or for sure. Look, I mean, growing up, I'm trying to think of like who my heroes were. Yeah. And, and my heroes were like Rambo and like John Wayne. And then you think even more recently, you think of like uh, Jason Bourne, yep. James Bond. These guys are loners right? They, they work alone. They don't work well with other people, but they're Marlboro man. You remember him? Like they're cool, right? Sure. And they're, but they're loners. They're not cool. They're losers because <laughs> they don't get along with other people. Yeah. And in real life, those guys would not produce the results that they do on the silver screen. Mm. It's about banding with other men who are going to motivate you, inspire you, give you the kick in the pants that you need. Cause look, you could probably do it alone. In fact, most men do, you could probably do it alone, but I'm telling you because I did this and I'm sure you've done this too. It's just not efficient. Mm -hmm. It's not efficient. And we are as social creatures. I mean, think in the wake of this COVID thing, like depression is up, suicide is up. Like people are distraught and put it because they're not being social. We are social creatures. There's a difference, though, between men and women when it comes to our social conditioning. That's, conditioning is not the right word, but just our social tendencies, I'll say. Yeah. Is women work well face-to-face, knee-to-knee, they're communal, they're acting together, they're working, they're sharing resources, yep. and they're face-to-face. Yep. Men work best shoulder-to-shoulder, mm. right? So we're going to stand shoulder-to-shoulder, and we're going to turn ourselves outwards towards the enemy. And I'm not talking about a literal enemy, although it could be. I'm also talking about just the battle that you guys choose to enlist in together. Right. That battle might right. be the natural man. It might be your weight loss. It might be getting a promotion or totally. uh, being a better husband or a father, whatever that battle is. But we're banded together shoulder to shoulder, either for a common good or against a common enemy, preferably both. And you're working towards a better version of yourself against an enemy. In this case, well, who's the enemy? Your natural man is the enemy. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, modern society is the enemy too. We can talk about that maybe or not, but th- there are a lot of things that we have to combat as men as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned, <clears throat> obviously, that just starting things off with physical fitness, health. That's the the foundation. I saw it with my parents. Their, their relationship was... Um, couldn't even begin to be focused on, I'd say, because they were both so much out of, out of shape and overweight until my mom yeah. passed away. And then my dad lost a bunch of weight and all this stuff that they came out. And, um, I think it's easy as men to, to focus on their health and then we can kind of figure out, okay, if I want to make more money, I can figure out how to make more money. What's not happening is a lot of guys, I feel like at least in the community that I'm in, 
talking about relationship, although that seems to be where they, they're hurting the most in some regards if it's not going well or they want it the most. It's where the juice is, but they can't visualize. It's like, yes, I can visualize getting healthier. Yes, I can visualize making more money. What does that look like for relationships? How do you support men or even just in your own, in your own relationship find that vision of what you're, you're aiming at and, and what you can do to chip away at that ideal relationship, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do know because I've been there and I know what it's like to be in a miserable relationship. And, and yeah. my wife and I, uh, about 11 years ago, went through a separation. We've reconciled and we've got three additional kids since then. And that's awesome. We've got four now and, you know, life's good. Yeah. Um, but I know what it's like to be in that relationship. And the reason I think a lot of men struggle with this is because it's counterintuitive. Mm. So what is what is your 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 average man do when he sees a problem? He throws everything at it. Mm-hmm. which is good. That's a good thing. Like I'm going to throw all my attention, my energy, my resources at that thing. And in a lot of cases that works really well in a relationship. It doesn't always necessarily work out that well because what you end up doing is sacrificing your own well-being and your sanity. Mm-hmm. So when a man sees his problem, a problem with his relationship, he gives her all the time, all the attention, all the energy, all of this, all of the sacrifice, all of the work, everything he possibly can, which is noble. It's dumb, but it's noble. Maybe not dumb. It's ignorant. I mean, and I don't Correct. say that in a condescending way. I'm just saying you right. don't know better. Just doesn't know. Yeah. <clears throat> That's it. Yep. So instead, and here's, here's the counterintuitive thought. You need to turn that attention towards yourself. Because if you pour all of your energy, time, and attention and resources into her and or your children, while it's noble, you will burn up and you will burn out. And when you do, she will be resentful and it won't work for you. Because what's going to happen, think about it this way. In a relationship, we both bring our energies to the relationship. Like I bring mine, predominantly masculine energy. She brings hers, predominantly female energy. And we work real well together. If I can't generate my own source of energy, then where am I going to get it from? From her. And so what a lot of guys will do is they'll say, okay, I want, and they're not saying this literally, but through their actions and their deeds and their words or distance, they're saying, I want you, my wife to be the feminine energy. And I also want you to be the masculine energy. That might be great for you for a little while, but now she's going to burn out. And we know this because she says things like, the spark isn't there. I'm not in love with you anymore. Or she looks for energy from another dude. Mm-hmm. You're like, how could this happen? Because you didn't give her what she needed. You tried to, but you burned yourself out. So what we need to do as men when it comes to relationships is just turn it around and say, focus on yourself first. Not at the expense of your relationships, but you got to focus on yourself. You have to have time for you. You have to have time for your band of brothers. You have to have time for hobbies and activities and interests that are meaningful and significant to you. Because when you focus to a degree, not all of your time, but to an appropriate degree on those things, then you get to come back into the relationship with your own external source of energy that she sees she recognizes, she acknowledges, she appreciates, and she's attracted to like moth to a flame. You want to be attractive? 
then stop being so desperate for her to give you everything that you should be able to provide externally of her. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so counterintuitive. <laughs> I, I know what it's like, man. When I got married, I ditched all of my friends. I ditched all of my ha- hobbies and activities. And then when we went through our separation, you did the same thing. Every guy does this because yeah. it's an easy trap to fall into. Totally. And then when we went through our separation, I was like, where's all my bros? Yeah. Gone. Because I ditched them. They didn't ditch me. I ditched them. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear that adage like bros before hoes type thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and I, I, short of saying that, I'm saying that you got to have a band of brothers. Totally so that you can come back and be engaged as a father and a husband and the community leader and the business owner or the employee that you want to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I so resonate what you were talking about. And you mentioned the counterintuitiveness, which I have my own philosophies and I've done other podcast uh, episodes solo by myself with, uh, with that whole idea of how oftentimes what brings success is counterintuitive to our, our initial reaction, right? Right. This, this is burning my, my biceps out and my, my desires to want to put it down, right? But if you actually want to grow, you have to keep pushing through that. What other right. examples um, do you think are, I guess, valuable to, to look at that are counterintuitive to what you see a lot of guys doing, whether it be success in business, relationships, health, uh, just personal growth in general, that might be common for the natural man that, you know, that requires the counterintuitive approach. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's looking like we talked about earlier, looking at the end result yeah. without focusing on the lowest common denominator. Mm. The lowest common denominator is the things that we can control. And that's another one actually, by the way, is that we spend an inordinate amount of time focusing on the uncontrollables. How's this person going to react? How's this person going to respond? How's the economy going to work? And President Trump and COVID-19 and all these things. And I have to force this square peg into this round hole. It's like, hold up, dude. Like you can't control any of that. You know, take the economy, for example. And people are like, oh, well, oh, the economy, what should I do? Oh, Try focusing on your own personal economy first. Yeah. My background's financial planning. So that's what I tell people. It's like, look, you're all worried about the stock market. Like, are you... Are you developing skills to make more money? No. When's the last time you asked for a raise or promotion? Oh, it's been 10 years. Like you're worried about the stock market. You go to your boss right now or even debt, for example. It's like, okay, you want to, you want an eight, 10, 12% return in the market. You're paying 15% on that credit card right now. I just pay that off. And there's a guaranteed 15% rate of return. Oh, well, oh, I don't know if I can do that. That's what I'm saying. Like, you can't, you can't control what the market's going to do, but you can control whether or not you pay off your credit card payment or your car loan or not make stupid purchases, things you can't afford. So like do that instead. Mm-hmm. So what I would suggest to men is like, realize, okay. The, and, and I fall prey to this all the time. It's like there, and my wife will even tell me, she's like, is there anything you can do about it right now? No. She says, no, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Easier said than done. Of Easier course, said than right? done. Yep, yep. Yeah, of course. It's always easier to say things than to do things. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but that's true. Like if there's nothing you can do about it, nothing, there's no action you can take. There's no amount of worry. There's no amount of sleepless nights that are going to improve that situation. So instead, when you come across something like that and you ask yourself, is there something I can do about this? And the answer is no. Say, okay, 
there's a follow-up question to that. That's not the end of the thing. The follow-up question is, what can I control? Man, I just lost a bunch of money in the market. What can I control? Well, I can put more money into the stock market while stocks are low. I can control that. Yes, you can. And so you do that and you notice the stocks rebound because it's all cyclical and things are fine. Things play out. Yeah. Yeah. So stop focusing on the things, the big things that are outside of your control and focus on the little things that are within your control. And those big things will begin to work themselves out. Mm. In, in a different way, it reminds me of that scene from Braveheart where young William Wallace is at his father's funeral and his uncle comes up and he says, you know, I'll, I'll first teach you how to use this, your mind, before I'll teach you how to use the sword. Um, and I feel like that's pretty applicable, I'd say, <laughs> uh, yeah. to us as men today, uh, especially in teaching future generations how to do that too. How do you, how do you see just your own evolution as a man um, translate into how you're becoming a, a, a healthier and more well-rounded father with your kids I like that scene. Braveheart's one of my favorite movies. And when I, when I think about that scene, I, I think about the difference between responding and reacting. Mm -hmm. The sword is a reaction. Totally. And it's usually driven by emotion. Like, I'm pissed. I want to avenge. I'm going to go slay people, right? Like that's, that's, yeah. that's, a, yeah. that's emotionally charged. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's actually appropriate. I'm not saying that your emotions are inappropriate. We, we all experience emotions. And, but by the way, there's no bad emotions, right? Like people will say, Oh, anger. You don't want to be angry. Why? Like there's some actual things that you should be angry about. <laughs> yeah. 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 And sometimes anger is the appropriate emotion to be experiencing and feeling. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing bad about it. It's your inability to decipher its meaning and then use your logical side, which is response, not reaction response to harness the emotion because look the emotion is just it's like a dashboard on your vehicle right you're driving down the road you look down you've got your odometer you've got your your the, the engine heat you've got and i'm not a mechanic by any means you've got your gas gauge you've got all this stuff right the stuff yeah yeah the stuff you guys know the what stuff. i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> you're driving down the road and you hear this binging right on your your dashboard you look down and you see oh my gas tank's empty you're not pissed off at the, the fuel gauge. What do you do? You're like, oh, I got to find a gas station. So you find the next gas station, you pull off and you fill up gas and you get back on the road and think that's what emotions are. It's like, there's something wrong. Something's happening. Hold on. Oh, oh, oh. We got to react. We got to do something. And then you're like, okay, I'm angry and I'm angry because of X, Y, and Z. And here's how I can fix X, Y, and Z, which is the equivalent of filling up your tank. And so you do those X, Y, and Z, and then you get back on the road and back on with your life. Mm. So the sword versus the mind is emotion versus logic. Both are appropriate at times and both have their role. You're going to be more effective with the sword if you can use your mind. And right. again, that's the distinction between the reactionary and the responsive. Yeah. I love it. So besides Braveheart, what's another really good movie that you love? <laughs> it's all along the same thread line. Um, Gladiator, of yep. course, is a good yep. one. Saving Private Ryan, it's a good movie. 
It's all along those. It's all. It's yeah. all. It's always along those lines. The same. Three hundred for me. I like. Yeah, three hundred. Like yeah, that's a good one. I like for sure. Matrix, just how he comes into believing in himself, you know, and then just yep. kicking ass. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Love. I love all those. Um, well, you. You. <clears throat> I guess you're talking about. Uh, you know, fathering and and just. I feel like a big part of why men are the way they are um, and why we're struggling. And I can speak deeply for myself was growing up without a father. You know, he was, again, he was, he was there. He just wasn't presently there. He was a workaholic and he had five kids and I, you know, he was running from his own demons and stuff like that. Um, But for so many of, of us men, I'm speaking to all my other brothers who kind of grew up without a father. It's like, man, there's that, wound that needs to be healed so that we can be better husbands and fathers and, and all those other things. Um, and you think it's, it's just pretty much doing what you're talking about, uh, in terms of just fundamentally taking care of the, the next best thing for today, just building off of those, just creating momentum, getting out of the rut. Right. And over time that creates just character development. How, what's the, the philosophy or how do you see, I don't want to put words in your mouth, obviously, because I don't know exactly how you feel, but do you know what I'm talking about? In terms of fatherless men yeah. out there, how do they get back to wholeness? Uh, grace. Grace. That's what it is, grace. I love it. You know, I like, a lot of us have placed our fathers on pedestals they don't belong. Yeah. You know, I grew up without a father in, in, in my home as well. My dad and my mom separated when I was three years old. Uh, we had a good relationship. I saw him every summer between school years and things like that. I had some stepfathers coming to my life. And so, you know, for a whole, for a long time, I held a lot of, uh, like bitterness and animosity against my father for not being Same. around Same. because I put him on this pedestal. I'm like this, he's my hero. Like he is the superhero. And that wasn't, that wasn't fair to him. Cause now as a father of four myself, I'm like, Holy cow. Like I'm, I don't belong on any pedestal. They may put me on. Yeah. I'm full of flaws and, and gaps and holes. And so you ask yourself, how do you make yourself whole? It's not actually his responsibility. Yeah. yeah I mean, my, my, my dad passed away a couple of years ago. So like literally that can't happen. There's nothing he can do to fill any sort of hole. Sure. So the hole has to be filled with, like there's, a, there's this really interesting concept in, in my church about the distinction between justice and mercy like justice has to be served, right? It has to be served. And we, and, we, and I don't want to get religious necessarily, but in the context of spirituality and religion, justice has to be served. Like the sins that we, that we have have to be paid for. That's justice. Well, Jesus Christ came and offered justice by paying for those sins, but he also extended mercy by taking upon those sins himself. So now justice was served, the price was paid through his atoning sacrifice, and he extended mercy to us so that we would not have to carry that weight ourselves. Mm-hmm. So again, I don't want to get all religious and spiritual, but think about that in the context of the relationship with your father. How can justice be served? How can you reconcile? How, so the, the actual word, if you look at the definition of the word atonement, it's to reconcile, it's to make whole, it's to make right, so we, we hear atonement, we think of the religious perspective, but it's not a religious word. It's just the atonement. It's, it's making whole. So how does a man atone with his father? Through mercy. You have to afford him some grace. 
He's a human being. Full of flaws. He had his own baggage, his own shit, and his own things totally, that he had to deal totally. with. And you know what? Maybe you're looking at his performance through your own lens, through your own baggage, and saying, well, he did this because of X, Y, and Z. That's a story that you made up. You don't know totally. if that's true. Totally. So a lot of guys will say, well, my dad was never around. Well, where was he? Well, he's at work. Okay, well, maybe he was at work because he thinks that providing for you is the best way that he can show up as a man. So rather than saying, oh, my dad never made any of my baseball games, maybe instead the right narrative is, man, I'm so blessed that my father worked his ass off so that he could afford the tuition or the payments to always have the best gear so that I could always play baseball and be involved with, with other boys and, and community members and, and, and competitive sports. Yep. Amen. Either one of those could be right or wrong. Like you're yep. just making shit up. So if you're going to make up a story about your dad, then give it some grace and just make up the story that actually serves him and you better, which is, mm -hmm. hey, he did the best he, w he could do. Mm -hmm. Justice is served. Mercy and grace is afforded. Mm -hmm. This is how we atone with our fathers, and this is how we make ourselves whole. Love that. I mean, I, I can, I, again, I resonate with that just because I was so angry, so bitter with my father, provoked him coming out of the closet after my mom had passed away. And in mm. that moment, did my heart just feel fill with empathy and, and grace, if you will. And I kind of think about as uh, of grace, as a definition kind of like you're just kind of forgetting or not forgetting. You're just letting go of any sense of keeping score because I right. had had him in the hole massively because he was not fulfilling what I had hoped he would have been as a father. At expectations. All these expectations. Yep. Pedestal. Yep. 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 And when I let go of that, that, uh, that score, and I just started to love him as another human being, you know, who had his own, just exactly. I'm just kind of piggybacking what you said then, man, like over the last 12 years, he's now one of my best friends. Talk to him almost mm -hmm. every single day. It allowed that space to, to heal so massively and allow me then to actually give grace for myself because right. I was so much of that negative energy was actually impacting my you know, my failed marriage and where, how I was showing up. And then it was like cast on him. And when I let that go, then I could give myself grace and I can let that go. So I think that's, that's the next level. I mean, we can talk about, yeah, win the day, get out of bed, you know, <laughs> do some meditation, work out. But there's also that next level of like, look at your wounds, look at the baggage, look at the stories that you're talking about that you've made up about shit and question if that's really fact or is it just a story? Right. It's just, you're looking at it through one lens. Yeah. Look at, just look at it through a different lens. <clears throat> you don't even have to accept that lens. Just look at it for a second. Yeah. Just look. <laughs> and, and then you can make your decision from there. I actually made a post on Instagram today about my, my oldest son. And I, and I said something to the effect of no great kingdom has two Kings, you know? And so it's as you as a man who has a wife and kids and a career and goals and ambitions, if you're still serving in your father's kingdom, like, of course there's going to be contention and animosity. That's yeah. his kingdom. Yeah. You like, you're, you're a visitor in his kingdom. Like go out and start your own, like go on your own conquest, develop your own realm, if you will, and become yep. your own King of, yeah of your space mm -hmm. so he can go rule his kingdom and you can go rule your yours the way that you see fit with other influences and a portion of his influence as well but a lot of us grown men are acting like to go on the same thread line here 
are acting like princes of our father's kingdom. Mm -hmm. Like you're not a prince anymore. You're a grown man. Like go out and get your own kingdom yeah. and leave his realm to go start your own. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because I, I, when I emailed you initially, I'm, you know, I'm in the middle and why I wanted to have this conversation because I wanted to get some good nuggets that I can put in my book. This book is about becoming Kings and it's the whole idea of mm. like the, the, the natural man I saw of me showing up was Robert the Bruce trying, mm. you know, playing politics and listening to my dad and trying to make everyone happy and being passive and ultimately stabbing, uh, you know, the back metaphorically of that who I respect the most, which is William Wallace. Then you have William Wallace who, you know, doesn't have his dad and he's his own man, you know, and he's solid and he's his man of his word and he's a leader. And like, that's what I aspire to be. But I saw myself as Robert the Bruce, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's a good analogy. You, you know, you even think about it in that context is like, it, it wasn't aspiring to be necessarily like, or to be another man, but to see who he had the potential to become. So this is again the two the two cells right the natural man the yeah. Robert the Bruce right yep. Yep. and then I, I can be that guy or I can be my own William Wallace right who's mm -hmm. free and liberated and and principled and capable and has character mm -hmm. and you see yourself in him because you remember in that movie when uh, when William Wallace says something to the effect of uh, you know if you if you do this then people will follow you and so will I. So Robert the Bruce saw the potential of who he could become, a leader totally. of himself and other men. Totally. But he could never let go of his, well, until the end, he could never let go until that catastrophic event, right? Yeah. Where yeah. he was like shaken out of that situation. Yeah. He couldn't step out from underneath his father's shadow. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I feel like, like you said, sometimes it takes hitting that ground zero. Hidden. For me, it was losing my mom, my dad, that, then the fair marriage. I was like, okay, that way doesn't work anymore. Right. So <laughs> right. time to level up or I just, what's I the wish point? we could learn those lessons without having to hit that rock bottom. I mean, it's, yeah, but yeah, it, it does. And yet, you know, it's like, it's, it also is what cultivates and it's the catalyst for so much. I would not it be is. where I am. I wouldn't be talking to you today if it weren't for that. Yeah those, you know, cataclysmic things. So I kind of right. feel like that's, it's driven by, you know, tough love in some regards, you know, like this may yeah. not be what you want, but this is actually what you truly need, you know? Yeah. Tough love and stupid choices. Yeah. I mean, that's the reality is like, sometimes you just make a dumb choice and there's no way to absolve yourself or, or a series of choices. And there's no yeah. way to absolve you yourself of the consequences of those choices. Yeah. The yeah. best we can do. And people will say this all the time is like, man, how do I get over past regret? Stop dwelling on it. Yep. Figure out what you learned. Yep. Apply those lessons and then become a new individual because of those experiences. Yep. Yep. If you just live in the past, you're like, oh man, I messed this up. I messed my marriage up or I messed up the relationship with my kid or this or that. You're, you're just living back there. It's like, yep. hey, it's done is done. Like, what did you learn? How are you better? Well, I'm not better. Okay, well then you're never going to grow. Right. Until you're willing to look at it and say, oh, that sucked. That was painful. Here's what I learned. Here's the lesson I learned. Okay, now I can move forward. Right. That's right. how you get over that stuff. Allowing yourself to, to, to divorce yourself from the past or the past stories and actually marry <laughs> the truth of moving forward, I think is, is right. what you're saying. And, 
Yeah, Otherwise, James Clear point? talks about it in his book, Atomic Habits. He says, every day you, you, make, you make choices and decisions, and every choice that you make is a vote towards the type of individual you want to become. I think he talks about it in the context of being a writer. So a lot of people say, for example, you know, I want to write a book. You're talking about writing a book, but I'm not a writer. Well, you're a writer if you write. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah. when you sit down at your computer and you write a thousand or 10,000 words, yeah. then what you're doing is you're actually making a vote with your actions to confirm that you are indeed a writer. Now you may not be the most proficient at it yet, but you are a right by definition, you are writing words. Therefore you are a writer. Oh man. I'm just, I'm just not a runner. Yes. You're not a runner cause you never run. But if you go run a mile today, then by definition you are a runner mm-hmm. and tomorrow you get up and you run another mile and another mile. And the next week it's a mile and a half. And then the next week it's two miles. You become a runner by doing the activity. I, you know, it's funny. Um, I had a conversation years ago with Jocko and he was one of the first like big guests that I've had on the podcast. And he's since become more of a friend at this point, but it was funny because it was very difficult for me to interview. And I remember asking him a question, you know, something along the lines of like, well, how do you develop discipline? He's just, he, and he said, you just be more disciplined. Hmm. <laughs> like, uh, do you care to elaborate on that? He's like, yeah. no, you just be more disciplined. And I'm like, oh, what a weak answer. But actually it's not like that is the answer. Yeah. How do I become a better father? You act like a better father today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do I be a better, more engaged husband? You engage with your wife. Mm-hmm. How do I write a book? You write the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do I become stronger? You lift weights. Yeah. How do I get better at waking up early in the morning? You wake up early in the morning. Like it's not a... It, it sounds like a cop-out, but it's, you just get better at what you practice. Right. So if you practice the excuses of, let's say, getting out of bed early, like, oh, I'm tired, oh, I worked out yesterday, I need more sleep. If you practice those excuses, you will get better at coming up with excuses to get you out of the work that you want to do. And then the problem is, is that in three or four or five hours, when you actually wake up, you're going to feel guilty and feel like shit yep. for not doing it. So how do you get more proficient at it? When the alarm goes off, you force yourself to get out of bed and it sucks. And tomorrow it sucks a little bit less and tomorrow it sucks a little bit less. And then eventually you're like, yeah, I just, I'm an early riser. Yeah. Yeah. Not because that was like some preordained destiny that you had, but just because you made it so. Yes. 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 And we overcomplicate a lot. I feel like. Yeah, of course we do. Yeah. People are doing that now. They're listening to us now and they're like, well, yeah, well, well, but Ryan, I really am. An, I really am a, a night owl. Yeah. I, I, I really do have this hard thing. Well, okay. And yeah. everybody has baggage and crap they need to deal yeah. with. Yeah. You can overcome it if you want, or you can continue to make excuses. Like, I don't care. People say, well, Ryan, what about, you know, what about this situation? My situation is this. And I, I got all these unique circumstances. I don't, like with all due respect, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm not living with your choices. <laughs> if you want right. to keep telling yourself that you don't have time to work out, I don't care. Cool. Right. And <laughs> I don't have to live with your diabetes. Yeah. Like yeah, you have to live with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah. like, are you trying to convince me that like, or, or get me to tell you it's okay? I don't care. Yeah. 
I mean, I want you to win. I want you to thrive, but like your excuses don't matter to me. Yeah. So, okay. Drive on. Yeah. Like if you're happy with what it is, then okay. Drive on, brother. If you're not, then do something different. Yes. Yes. And it really is nice when it's just that, uh, black and white, that clear. Um, and I, and I'd say this, this very last little piece before we wrap up here, I feel like, can I say I, something? One more thing on that though. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Sorry. I'm, I, I'm kind of like going off on, on this stuff, but do like it. getting on my soapbox a little bit, but go, you know, you go. say it's kind of nice when it's black and white. It's, it's actually not, mm. it's not nice. And what I, what I'm interpreting nice as it's comfortable. Mm. It's not because now you don't have an excuse. Mm-hmm. Like I just stripped away every excuse that you could have. Mm-hmm. And so that's not comfortable. And so what people try to do is they try to complicate things and make things more complex than they need to be so they can have little excuses and a little bit of wiggle room to back themselves out of doing the work that they know they need to be doing. If it was just simple and everybody just bought into the idea that it was simple, there's no excuse for mediocrity. Mm -hmm. That's why we complicate the situations and circumstances. Mm -hmm. And then when somebody actually comes and holds a mirror in front of your face and says, look, you idiot, it's simple. Do this. Oh, Ryan, you don't know my situation. You don't know my background. You don't know my experience. You don't know that. No, I know it because over the past five and a half years, I've heard everything. I know. I already know what you're going to say. I know your personality. I know about your thing that you think is unique. I know. And it isn't as unique as you think it is. It isn't. You're not as special as you think you are. Mm-hmm. It's simple. And as soon as you believe that it's simple, then you'll do it. But if you keep telling yourself it's hard, it's hard to lose weight. No, it isn't. It's not hard to lose weight. You just have to eat a little bit less and or a little bit better and move your body a little bit more. That's not hard, right? But you want to make it hard. Oh, well, that's because I don't have the right program. No, it isn't. It's not about the program. Stop making it difficult. Stop telling your, oh, it's hard to get up in the morning. Yeah, because you tell yourself it's hard. Correct. It's not hard. Correct. Make it easy. Or just live with the results of you keep telling yourself it's hard. That, and that's fine too. Right. But at least be truthful with yourself about it. Right. And why this is such a healthy conversation is because, again, I feel like with the, the meetings that I do, I would say every single meeting, there's a couple guys that always hit me up. Maybe it's their first or second meeting. And they're like, you know, what's so amazing is I got to sit around with other guys and hear that there's other guys feeling the way that I've been feeling or going through the mm. same stuff that I've been going through, you know? Yeah. And sure. I think that's, that's probably why. Yeah. And I feel like that's why it's your your message, your forum, everything is so powerful because you say a lot of what guys are either scared to say, um, or they don't even maybe have the words to put it in or be able to articulate into words that they're feeling. Um, but I think that's what's so powerful about you is that you simplify it, distill it down, but then you actually have the, the balls to say it. Yeah. Nobody's ever told him that. So I had a guy reach out to me on Instagram the other day and he, so are you familiar with Spartan races at all? Sure. Done several. Yep. Okay. So, okay. So I did several years ago, three or four years ago. Now I did the Spartan Agogi, which is a 60 hour endurance event. 
Wow. And it was awesome. It was cool. Yeah. I mean, it was painful. Yeah. It sucked. It was miserable, but it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think it's probably more awesome than it actually was. I'm just, we have a tendency of remembering things better than they really were. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but no, it was a good experience. And this guy reached out to me and he said, hey man, I know you did the Spartan Agogi several years ago and I'm thinking about doing it and I just wanted your input. <laughs> like, I wrote back. I said, look, man, you don't need my input. Like there's nothing. You've already made your decision. Yeah. Well, I, there's nothing I could tell you that would help you move you one way or the other. Like yeah. if you're, and I told him this, I said, if you're interested in doing it, just sign up for it. I'm not going to tell you about it. I'm not going to tell you what it was or what my experience was. If it sounds interesting and it sounds like something you want to do, then just commit to it and just do it. Just go. Yep. Yep. And so the thing that we have to, we have to be careful of, especially when we congregate in, in tribes or groups or packs or bands, whatever you want to call them, is that we think we're moving the needle because we're talking about it. And I'm not saying talking about it is bad. It's not. We need to talk about it. But if that talk comes at the expense of the action, it's a problem. And so we could very easily fall into these therapy sessions where we're like, oh, yeah, we're talking about all this stuff. It's really good. And then what? I used to have a friend of mine. We were in the financial planning business together. He would, I would tell him things. He'd say, therefore what? I'm like, dude, stop saying that. It was so annoying. <laughs> stop telling me therefore what? And now I look at it and I'm like, I realize the beauty of, of what he was saying. Yeah. It's a very powerful yeah. statement. You're telling me all this stuff. So what? So what? What are you going to do with it? So what? And, and, and that's what guys need to do for each other is not right. like, Hey, let's hold hands and sing Kumbaya. It's like, okay, right. well that's your problem. Okay. And yep. what are you going to do about it? That's yep. the kind of brothers I want in my circle. Not totally. the ones who be like, Oh Yeah. Yeah, that must be hard. Yeah. That's a feminine approach. It's not wrong right. necessarily. Right. The masculine right. approach is like, yeah, that sucks. Well, how are you going to fix it? Right. Yeah. And then drives you to action. So true. And I've, and I've talked about that before where the feminine response to praise and the masculine response to challenge. And so it is great to, to actually be able to get out and be like, oh, I'm not the only one feeling this way. But that is where the rubber meets the road. I feel like it, with the guys that I work with here in Denver, it's like, it's, then it's the mastermind. It's the going out into the woods and doing adventures. It's, it's actually seeing how you can gauge yourself week to week, month to month, quarter to quarter to see there's progress. Otherwise we're just sitting around, like you said, holding hands, singing Kumbaya. And there's, there's right. no real leveling up there. It just feels good right. in the moment. It feels like getting, getting in and out of the hot tub and it only lasts for one or two hours that we're there. Right. Right. So, right. That's, yeah. That's I remember in like slope. competitive sports when I was in high school, you know, if I missed a block or missed a play, you know, you feel like crap about it, but then what makes you feel really bad about it is, you know, you let the team down. Yeah, exactly. Like you let that guy down because you failed to make your block or you feel failed to roll up that double play. Like you failed and you let the team down. And, and a lot of people, especially in modern culture and popular cultural culture will say, Oh, well, that's, that's bad. You don't want to make people feel bad. No, like you should feel bad. You messed up <laughs> like, again. No negative emotions. Even guilt is a positive emotion. Like when I missed a play or missed a block, I felt guilty because I let the team down and maybe we lost the game or gave up a run or whatever. And then it drove me to drill and get better. So I yep. didn't do that next time. And that's the power of uh, part of the power of a brotherhood is somebody who's not just like, Oh, tell me about your problems, but saying, 
hey, Johnny, you said you were going to do these five things last week and you only did four of them. And what about that fifth one? Yeah. Like you told me you were going to do that. You, you let the team, like we're all working together. Like all of us were a hundred percent and you're 80. What's up with that, bro? Yeah. That's what we need. Accountability. Because nobody yep. else is going to do that for us. <laughs> right. Right. I feel like in that sense, if, if you don't, if, if we collectively as a brotherhood don't do that, then we continue to stay comfortable in that nice environment. Brotherhood. Right. And then you end up just passing it, passing the buck to the next generation to actually do something about it. Right. Because what is, look, if you don't do that, let's say there's five of us. All right. And we have these things we're going to do on a daily basis and four of us hit a hundred percent. And, and, and I, let's say, we'll, we'll, we'll put the blame on me this time. I hit 80% of the five guys. If you're not willing to hold my feet to the fire, then my performance isn't going to get better. And that's not actually where it ends. Your performance is going to get worse because then the next week you're going to be like, Oh yeah, Ryan got 80 and nobody called him out. Like it didn't seem to be a big deal. And you know, I've been busy. So I guess like 80% is okay. It's not acceptable. Anything less than a hundred percent is unacceptable to the team. Mm-hmm. And if you don't make it unacceptable, then you're actually encouraging what you're tolerating, which is performance you're, you're less than you're capable of. Yes. Yep. Yep. So everybody, it's not that I don't get to improve. It's that everybody else gets worse mm-hmm. because you weren't willing to call it out. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of rules and things that need to come into play. And I'm sure you have these types of things, and these boundaries and expectations built into your programs that facilitate this, but anything less than a hundred percent is not acceptable. Right. It's gotta be a hundred, right. hundred or nothing. And look, if you mess up a week, cool. All right. You messed up. Get back to a hundred. If you do it two weeks, I'm a little hesitant about you. If you do it three weeks, you're gone, man. You're not committed. Yeah. I need somebody who's committed to this process. Yeah. yeah. I need a hundred percent out of me, you and everybody in this group. And if yeah. you're not going to do a hundred, I'll find someone who's going to do a hundred. And sometimes yeah. that little bit of fear is what drives people to do a hundred, which is fine too. Yeah. You sound like Michael Jordan from the last dance. I don't have know. You seen, I, I have you I watched it all? It. No, I haven't. But seen he's, it. but this is exactly right. And that's what he, he set the bar. It was like, he was a Navy seal, you know, and he was like, this is, this is our team. And if you can't handle this in practice, the fire in practice that I bring to you and, and the razzing and, and the, the talking, the shit that I bring you, then there's no way in hell are you going to rise to the level of performance. I need you to be in a game seven against Isaiah Thomas or magic Johnson. There's like, like the dude just set a very, very high standard in practice so that it translated to on court. And you're talking about the same thing. That's how the brotherhood I feel like can support each other so that when shit really hits the fan in marriage or COVID or whatever, cause it's bound. That's just how life is. You're absolutely right. It's just, that's where guys need to level up. Otherwise there's a weak link and the team, the entire team suffers, you know? No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Well, thank you so much for having, uh, you know, some time just for popping on the podcast and being here with of me. Course, man. You give me so many good things that I want to throw into my book and give you credit for, but, um, I really appreciate you and just the work that you're doing and the stand that you kind of the example that you show as the standard for, you know, what's possible for guys to achieve. And I know it always keeps leveling up, but it's just nice to, to have guys that are, holding everyone else to a, to a higher standard. So I honor you. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Great conversation. Um, yeah, really fun to talk with you. Appreciate it. Awesome, brother. Appreciate it. Take care. 
and I want to thank you so much for listening to The Johnny King Show. And hey, if you got something positive from this episode, please subscribe to the show, share it on your favorite social platform, and then tag me in it so I can say hi. It would also mean the world to me if you wrote a review of the show on Apple Podcasts because I read every single one. Do you feel like there's something I could be doing better? Awesome. I totally thrive on constructive feedback and it's always welcome. So if you've got questions or concerns, you can always reach me via email at podcast at johnnyking.com. And then please follow me on Instagram at johnnyking, facebook.com backslash johnnykingmenscoach on my YouTube channel and LinkedIn. Thanks again for joining me. I've been Johnny King. You've been amazing. And we'll catch up with you next time. Take care.